So is it possible to unhijack Christianity? If it's been so. hijacked, can it be sort of redeemed or I don't know if unhijack is so. a word, but you know what I mean yeah. by that? Yeah. Whatever we call ourselves, Brian, people I think are hungry for authentic space. Yeah. For truth, for um, critical thinking, yeah. for spiritual development. They're hungry for I can make a difference in this world. Welcome to episode 133 of Pub Theology Live. We are live, as you can tell, at the Wild Goose Festival in Hot Springs, North Carolina. Pub Theology Live is a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. And you can catch new episodes weekly as we address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. You can join our conversation online through Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using hashtag PTLive, and you can follow us at Pub Theology on those platforms. Well, my name is Brian Burkoff. I am pastor at Holland UCC in Holland, Michigan, and author of the book Pub Theology, Beer, Conversation, and God. And today we are joined by Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, who is an activist, author, preacher, and public theologian. She's senior minister at Middle Church in North Carolina, or in New York City. We're in North Carolina right now. She is in New York City. We can City. also start a new <laughs> Middle Church right here. Hey, I'm just saying. If hey, there we go. It, I'm good to do it. There we go. And uh, Jackie's already spoken today at Wild Goose. And this morning she said to us, Christianity has been hijacked. Love is the religion of Jesus. And so we're going to discuss together, is it time to move beyond Christianity? So welcome, Jackie. Thank you, Ryan. It's going to be a beautiful conversation. Thanks. I'm so glad yeah. to have Thank you. So and much. we usually start off by talking about what we're drinking. So yeah. tell us what you got. Well, I took 40 minutes to take myself away from Goose to Goose Edge to the Iron Horse Inn and get a salad. Yeah. yeah. Because a person had only had potato chips and popcorn. And I was thinking, that's not so good. So I had a beautiful salad and I ordered a Chardonnay from California. And of course, I didn't get to finish it. So the remnants of it is here. Excellent. What are you doing? Excellent. And I am drinking a uh, orange shandy. Ooh, that sound. From Big Lake Brewing uh, right in Holland, Michigan. And I've got some more of these and some other Michigan uh, local craft brews. So if you guys have any questions at any point, you may be rewarded with a good question with a beer. So pay Ooh. attention. Pay Incentives. attention. So I usually start, Jackie, with something just a little light, just to okay. kind of get the conversation These flowing. Mean lighter than what's in your glass. Lighter than okay. what's in our glass, exactly. So uh, which state in this country is your favorite other than the one you live in? Um, Illinois. Ooh, Illinois. Yeah. That was a dark horse candidate. I know, I know. I was thinking I would say Michigan. I know. Because when I was little, I lived in Michigan. So tell us about Illinois. What, what? My mom and dad uh, grew us up in Chicago mostly. 
and my siblings are still there. My dad is still there. Illinois is like a hot mess in lots of ways. But I went to school in Peoria, Illinois. Illinois. I had cousins that went to Southern and uh, Northeastern, yeah. Illinois. Yeah. And Chicago's in Illinois. So I think Chicago is home still in a way. Yeah. Uh, when you go to Chicago, my dad says, thanks for coming home. So he's saying something about that is the locus for our family lore. What about yeah, you? Yeah, and that's important. That's, What's your that, favorite state huge. besides Michigan? Is it you okay know, for me to ask you that? You or? can ask that. Yeah. Uh, it, that's not an easy one to answer, and I saw you hesitating too. I, yeah, I think fine. I'd have to go with uh, Alaska. Really? Which is a state I lived in uh, when I was young. Uh, we born in Grand Rapids in Michigan, grew up in Michigan, but then when I was little, we moved to Anchorage and spent a few years of my youth there. And then a few summers ago, we took our whole crew on a uh, trip up to Alaska. We drove the Alaska Highway and we got to revisit some of the places that I had spent as a kid, but hadn't been back to. So, and you know, it's hard to beat the views in Alaska. Alaska is beautiful. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Almost feels like cheating when you say like Alaska or Hawaii is a favorite something. But California's pretty great. I haven't spent as much time there as I should have, but uh, that's amazing. Yes, it is incredible. All right, one more on the lighter side, and then we'll get into some of our deeper content. Yep. I have a quote here from a Mandy Hale, and she says, "You don't always need a plan. Sometimes you just need to breathe, trust." Let go and see what happens. So, Jackie, are you more of a, a planner or more of a let go and see what happens kind of person? Yes. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't bite on that binary. No, I'm absolutely both of those things. I mean, I'm, a, I'm not as, as conversant with Enneagram as many of my, my young friends are. I'm more of a Myers-Briggs type knower. But I'm an ENFJ, and my E and my N are like, whoa! And so I love spontaneity and playfulness and yeah. crazy creativity. But I am a J. Your J's so getting things done. I, like, and I'm like, let's make a frame yeah. in which we can have fun. Let's make a plan <laughs> in which we can be spontaneous. Yes. So that's kind of where I'm at. How about you? I love you? it. I love it. Uh, I tend to be more of the latter, more of a uh, let go and see what happens. Yeah. But occasionally I get involved in things that require some planning. And so then that's a growth area. But if we didn't have a spontaneous day, I wouldn't be in this microphone right now. With exactly. You. So there was a little planning and a little spontaneity right. to bring it all it together. Great, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So this morning, as you were talking to many of us uh, from the main stage, you said Christianity has been hijacked. So yeah. tell us what's kind of in your thinking when you when you use that phrase. Yeah, I mean, th- I'm. I wish I could remember exactly how many people use this paradigm, but there's a sense, Brian, of like being a young in your faith, and you're in this wonderful naivete, right? I'm, God loves everybody, millions of stars placed in the sky by one God, but God chose my particular tribe to be the beautiful recipients of Jesus, the baby boy who is born to major and, you know, shepherds and wise people and all that. Blue eyes. Yeah, blue eyes. Absolutely. Curly hair, fingers like this. Uh, And so I really um, grew up believing that Christian is a special thing, tribe, and God's intention is for the world to become Christian. And my job as a little eight-year-old Christian yeah. was to figure out who I'm going to evangelize right. to make sure that God's work can happen. Yeah. And so then even when I was 14 or so and felt called to ministry, I knew I was signing up for like 
making the world Christian, you know? Yes. Yeah. Till I got to seminary. And then I had like, that doesn't really make sense. Is a Chinese girl in an orphanage in Beijing gonna be converted to Christianity, you know? Um, what is that? What is the mm-hmm. kind of map called Christianize the world? I, I had a suspicion about it. Is there a deeper purpose than making everyone like us? Right. And if yeah. so, what is it? Yeah. But then, Brian, I watch Christianity, in quotes, be anti-black and anti-women yeah. and anti-Latino and anti-Jew and anti-poor and anti-immigrant and anti-queer. And I think that does not match my vision of the little baby boy in the manger who grew up to say love is love is love or love God, love neighbor, love self. So I just think Christian has been co-opted uh, by empire. Church, church history tells us Constantine decided to make it the state religion of the empire. And I think when he did, it lost its prophetic edge yeah. and that it got breathed with empire texts about empire masquerading as Christian. So uh, that's what I mean. That the Christianity, or let's say the faith of Jesus, which wasn't Christian. Which wasn't Christianity. He's like a Jew. But that faith of Jesus gets flipped around to, we can stay exactly as we are and call ourselves Christian, and we'll go to heaven. We'll parachute out of this world to heaven when we die. And I don't really believe in that thing so much. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And there's so many threads. And I think you're exactly right to point to early on the whole following Jesus project got sort of hijacked and co-opted. So it's not just a USA capitalist uh, colonialist thing. It's something that goes much earlier than that. Yes. Yes. And yet there's been this prophetic like edge or underground right of of christian voices in the history of the church but they haven't been the dominant ones often and those are often the ones sort of sidelined or labeled as heretic or not orthodox or not given the platforms others are and i think it's the people on the underside who have used christianity to do the Jesus prophetic thing. Yes. So base communities in Latin American countries who yeah. are like, Jesus is our brother and God is through. God is my homie, you know? Yeah. The, the familiarity of loving a God who is present enough with you to be called the informal you in base communities, Catholic communities, um, women. Uh, in Africa, African women who in their Christian space were like, we are gonna stop this war by shutting down sex with our guys. We're gonna fix that. Um, You know, people who, uh, in in kind of the Palestine, Israel, Meshagosh, use their Christian faith to build bridges with Muslims and Jews. I think Christianity and um, anti-slavery, Christianity and women's suffrage. So it isn't that there isn't a prophetic voice. It is that too many people have used Christian concepts to dominate each other. Yeah, and to sort of maintain the status quo right. and do it with the voice of God. Yeah, because right? that's authoritative. Right, which is so like nefarious and so uh, it's just the layers of 
not rightness yeah. and even evil in sort of using this sort of divine stamp on how things are. Right. And if you're poor, well, God set it up that way. Yeah. Or if whites are better than blacks, well, hey, I didn't make the system, right. you know, and that's just so uh, It's like playing so damaging. in the space of a sovereign God, a sovereign, you know, the complicated narratives. There's, there's a sovereign God, there's people with free will, there's, but there's the will of God, and there's, you know, interpretive license. And all of those pools swirl together so that hegemony and patriarchy and white supremacy and even sort of the hatred of religious minorities can flourish. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my little ones. We'll let oh, them go. Are they gone? Just two of them. You know. Did they not <laughs> like this conversation? <laughs> I can't imagine my kids don't like the co-opting of Christianity historically by we're done. empire. You know? Let's go. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had a thought just now, but I think it went with my, my kiddos <laughs> over there. Um, I was like, why are those kids getting up? Oh, they're your kids. Mom. Yeah, you know, d dad's talking and, you know, yeah, blah, that, blah, blah. And also that lady with the dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So is it possible to unhijack Christianity? If it's been so. hijacked, can it be sort of redeemed or I don't know if unhijack so. is a word but you know what I mean by that yeah and it could because you also propose that maybe it's time to go beyond Christianity maybe it's been so hijacked that that even that name cannot help but bring up all of those negative things you've just mentioned and is it unredeemable and we need to move to something new that we just call love or the way of Jesus or something so uh, how are you thinking along those lines yeah, I've got a, a couple streams of thought because I'm a Gemini and I don't know. I feel like I'm always having a couple streams of thought. But one is, you know, can it be redeemed? Yeah. I, if it's yeah. not, if that's not true, I don't need to be a pastor. If right. that's not true, right. I should get a new profession. Right. I absolutely hope, believe, pray, and am convinced that good people everywhere know that what you and I are saying is true. Yeah. And they're looking for a portal, a way, a concept, yeah. a thing, a dream, a prayer, a, an avenue, a curriculum, something that gets helps them go, no, that's not what it is, right? right. They're right. ready for that. Yes. People are still going to seminary to get ready for that. Yeah. People are in our churches and listening to your podcast yeah. to get ready for that. So yeah. I absolutely believe that that's true. Pre predominant thought. I do think, subdominant thought, that... It may be that the word Christian might have to be, at least for a while, super explained, Hoover explained, yeah. or let go of because the non-Christians, Brian, you right. know, that place where there are people in the world who maybe used to be Christian and left the church or never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ or, you know, look at the TV and go, what is, is that question? Right. Really? Right. Um, they, they have a hurdle to overcome when they know Christian means carrying torches and saying the Jews will not take my place in the world. When they know, recall, Christian has meant taking some crosses and burning them on the lawns of black people and Jews and gays. They know Christian has meant the extermination of Jews and gypsies and weird people with left hands. You know, they, yeah. they know that Christian has meant um, bombing little girls in a church. 
because they're black. How, how, how do we explain to them, well, that's not our kind of Christian. So I, I just think yeah. that we have some interpretive work to do, some PR to do, yeah. you know, and also um, some really prophetic disruption of the, of the conversations and narratives that we have allowed to stand in the gap called Christian and hijack the story. Does that make sense? It does I'm make saying? sense. Yeah. It does make sense. It's like Christianity with an asterisk. Like, right. yes, I'm using that word or that is an identifier right. for me, right. but here are the ways I'm framing it. Here's what I mean yeah. by that. And I think it does take some work because we do have a, a long history of all the things you've said, as well as a powerful media, which so often hones in on stories that, that reinforce that messaging. Uh, and so that we have to work against that. But I think some of the things you're doing, I'm doing, others that the Goose are doing are living into uh, a different kind of Christianity. Yes. And I think slowly For but sure. surely, I don't want to let go of the word either, yeah. but I'm also not opposed to rethinking right. the thing either. But I think, you know, if someone walks into middle church, they're going to experience a Christianity that maybe they haven't before. And they'll, That's right. they'll be like, oh, wow, this is so inclusive. It's so prophetic. It's speaking truth to power. It's diverse. It's all these things that I thought Christianity was opposed to or right. wasn't. And here it is in the church as followers of Jesus. That's a powerful witness. Yep. And we can't stop doing that. We have to keep doing it, and no matter what we call ourselves, I mean, like, you know, uh, hello listeners, right? Jesus wasn't Christian, he was Jewish. Uh, Whatever we call ourselves, Brian, people I think are hungry for authentic space, for truth, for um, critical thinking, for spiritual development. They're hungry for I can make a difference in this world this way. Howard Gardner, the psychologist Howard Gardner, who wrote the book called Leading Minds, he did a bunch of stuff on emotional intelligence. Yes. But he, he says leaders tell compelling stories that wrestle with the story that's already in the minds of, of followers. Leaders change the story. Yeah. So he studied King, he studied Gandhi, he studied Margaret Thatcher, and he studied Jesus. <laughs> so here's... Yeah. This is a good storyteller, Jesus. You've heard it said, I say, the kingdom of God is like a place yeah. where a man had two a, sons. A man had two sons, yeah. and one went and wallowed in the pigs and <laughs> came home and had a party because his dad loved him. Hello. Yeah. So we, we've got to dig underneath the junk, the layers of junk. Like you buy a house and you hear, oh my God, there's beautiful woodwork on the trim. And no, there's like 16 layers of paint, and you got to get it off, you got to scrub it off, you got to melt it down so you can get to the beautiful wood. I think that's where we are with Christianity right now. And I think you and tons of folks are pulling the paint. We're all pulling the paint off. I'm pulling off the paint. But when I get down to the wood, I want to make sure the wood is not full of worms. I want to make sure that I don't covet the wood. Ah. That I covet the beauty. Yeah. That I covet the truth. Good. Yeah. Good. I like that analogy. You know, we we had bought a house when we were first married that was older and and you know needed some work and uh there was this lush green uh shag carpet you mm-hmm. know just kind of a 
bright I've green. It was just unbelievable. We pulled that off, and there was this uh, there was this wood faux wood like linoleum and then we pulled under the linoleum and there was original maple hardwood floors and we're like who would do this (laughs) right what are you doing here you know what was happening in the 70s that made you think let's you know but we've done that in the church right we've we've put over these things that might appear shiny or trendy but underneath there's something enduring but it may be a bit beat up it may need some some polishing some reclaiming but that's hard and it it's hard work, it is but, hard work, but there is something solid if we can dig deep enough. See how we work that metaphor? That we should good. write that That's book. That's good. That was good. There's so some I'm hardwood under there to be recovered. There yeah. is. There is. I'm wondering if there's a question in the, in the <coughs> crowd here, something you have for, for Jackie or myself. I've got some cold beers in the cold-ish, we'll say, at this point. Uh, you know, the, the, Yeah. Come up here, gentlemen. Right to the mic. Please tell us your name, where you're from, and give us your question. Fox Meissner from Saranac Lake, New York. Great. Hi. Hi. And uh, can you speak about the Antichrist? Ooh. Oh. All right. And if you'd like a beverage, Klaus. He should get two for that question. You, you're all set already? All right. <laughs> speak about the Antichrist. That's not the question I was expecting. I'll just, I'll just name that. Uh, I can speak about the Antichrist. Um, I just, you know, I thought it was important to see if you wanted to go first. <laughs> <laughs> It's wow. your podcast. Hey, wow. <laughs> My goodness. Well, I, you know, okay. You, all right. So yeah. when I hear a thing like that, uh, it, it sometimes can be a convenient namer for things we don't like. Mm-hmm. So I'll just say that, right? So right. when uh, our prior president, uh, who we miss greatly, uh, was running for president, I heard things like, Barack Obama is a Muslim and he's the Antichrist. Yes, I so know. if I don't like this, I'm just going to name it as other and it's against what I'm for. So it's Antichrist, right? Uh, but I want to, like other things, not, I don't use that word much or that phrase much. You want a new one? I just, I just taste it. Okay. Who's ever heard of beer in orange, orange juice? In, hey, a, in a can. That I need to taste. Have a, Keep have doing the Antichrist talk, though. Go for it. So. You know, Antichrist and, and an orange beer goes together in a way. Uh, I'm not sure how. Uh, but are there things that are against the way of Jesus? How hard yes. I might want to use that phrase, but I don't use it because of all the other baggage. Right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's almost exactly what I would say, Brian. I think, really, it's, it's mean to call someone the Antichrist um, when it's so loaded with a kind of sense of the satanic or the yes. adversarial or the... Whatever. And, and linked to the end times, linked right? The end times, like, right. oh, the desperate right. times are here. And so to really answer that question to me would be like, let's talk about where that is in the Bible and what are they trying to say? And yes. is there is there a battle in the cosmos that's a battle of good and evil? Mm. Yeah, I think so. So I would say, yeah, I think so. And whether that's Ha Diablo or the Antichrist or just sometimes I say to my friends the unleashed doo-doo in the universe. <laughs> I you like know, that. I like that. The that's unleashed good. junk in that's the universe. That's good. That's right? good. There is some kind of battle in a cosmic way that shows up in crazy conversations in the political uh, sphere or on the international stage or sometimes within our own bodies, a kind of battle for who am I going to be and what's good today and what, how do I want to live my life? So I do believe that that 
is real. I don't really subscribe to the kind of allegories either in Dante's Inferno or in the Bible of some fiery body with a pitchfork that's going to stab you in the neck. So we want to be careful about that. But I also think we want to be careful about dismissing that there is evil in the world. I'm nervous about how we can dismiss it as we look at it. As you look at blatant lying, as you look at throwing children in cages and not giving them damn clean bottles to drink their milk from, as you look at destroying the earth, as you look at the way people torture, kill, abuse each other, yes, there's evil in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And this orange thing is absolutely yucky. So if he offers you this orange beer, ooh, ooh. say no to this. All right. I saw a couple of hands, so blue shirt and then purple shirt. So come beer, on up. Give us your question. Yo, it's not good. Get something else from him. Orange beer. I trust Brian on the beer. I, 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 I've I, never I had this that. till right now. So, I, 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 you know, I'm, you I'm, I'm going to say that. Why? Oh, Are you best friends a, with him? No, no, okay, no. Okay. No, this we, is we, he knows beer. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. okay no beer, uh, but I'm Michael was, Camp. I'm from Michael. Seattle. Um, I'm an amateur historian, and I really like what you're ha- having to say. In my mind, Jesus didn't found a new religion. Jesus um, or Paul did not found an institutional church. Right. So yeah. I've heard you describe something that one might be called an unhijacked Christian model. And we have labels. Christian is a label. Yes, it is. What, how would you envision a, let's say, a love and peacemaking ethic of Jesus without a Christian label? What would that look like? Oh, that's yeah. an yeah. excellent. Please let me answer that one first. That, that is great. Did you want a beer, sir? Okay, good. Okay. Make it two. I was, yeah. Okay. Um, What can I give you that's not this? Something else. Um, I would love for there to be something like the universal love machine. Ooh, wow. I mean, I just think... Thank you. And that'll limit itself as soon as we say it, right, historian friend? As soon as you name it, it won't be good. As soon as you Mm. name it, someone's not going to find their way in and someone's going to find their way out and it's not going to be great. But if we were pretending that we could say something that wasn't self-limiting, it would be something like the universal live movement. Um, I'm writing a book that's about the fiercest love, like the fiercest love movement. And, we, and, and love would be in the center of this definition. And then we'd be like, oh, what do you mean? We don't mean codependent love songs. We don't mean nammy-pammy, wishy-washy. We really mean something powerful and fierce. And I said on the stage earlier, we know this thing because it happens. When a mom will do anything to save her baby. Yeah. When, a, when, a, when a pastor will wander into the stank, rank, horrible waters post-Katrina in New Orleans and risk getting sick, which he did, to save people, mm. that's, that, we know what that means. When a teenager will run into a burning building, when a baby boy will throw himself in front of bullets and protect his classmates, we know the thing we're talking about that is hardwired into humankind yes. to take care of each other. We know it. We, sm- we know what it looks like. We know what it smells like, what it feels like, and what it sounds like. That's the thing. And I think that's, huh? That it's real. 
we know it's real, right? It's real. It's not. It's not ethereal. It's not. Oh, the angels aren't singing, but it's what it is. And Jesus knew what it was, and tried to describe it and tried to live it. You're hungry. I'm going to feed you. You're sick. You're a leper. I'm going to touch you and heal you. You're a woman. I'm not supposed to speak to you. I'm going to bless you and oh. heal you. That's the thing. Live. Love. The love, universal love. Universal love Action. movement. movement. I like that better than machine. I like although mo- yeah, movement. Let's go with Universal movement. love machine could catch on, but it could. But it then somebody would say no because it's mechanical and they critique it. So let's go with movement. Movement. I like it. Right. And thank you, Michael, for the thank question. You for and question. And I th- and I think what the benefit of moving to a beyond Christian title is that it reminds us that that love, as you said, Jackie, is present in every human being. And it's not something that Christianity owns. Frankly, it's not even something that Jesus owns. No. Uh, right? Uh, and only, so... Only the holy owns it. Exactly. And even exactly. the word God can be limiting to that. It can. To holy. Because we don't know. It can. Amen. Huh? Yahweh. Yahweh. Well... Who I, I love that story. What's your name? That's how I imagine... <laughs> Moses is sassy in my imagination. See, I when I God's like, you gotta go and talk to the people and tell. Yeah, I can't talk. Yes, you can. I'll give you the word. Okay, but what's your name? What's your name? Um, Y H W H. I am who I am. I, am I will I am. cause what I will cause. I am in charge, baby. That's what it means. There it is. Yeah. There it is. So the I'm Yahweh Universal Love Movement. Yeah. There we go. All right, we have a question over here. Okay. Come on up, tell us By your name, way, where you're from. This beer is delicious. From Grand Rapids. Founders. 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 All day IPA. Hi tell there. us your name Hi. and where you're from. My name's Cameron Criticos. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hi, uh, really grateful to be here. Um, Reverend Lewis, you just talked a bit about this kind of this embodied love where we roll up our sleeves and start living the way we're supposed to as opposed to talking about it all the time. I guess my question for the two of you is, you both belong to religious institutions uh. to a particular degree. And my question is, what, in your experience, what sort of liturgies or community practices not limited to the institutional church have you seen that have kind of gotten at this sort of love, this embodied love that we're talking about? What does it look like uh, as a part of our communities to do this is my question. Excellent. Thank you. That's an excellent question. Excellent. There's this crazy church called Middle Collegiate Church in the East Village of New York. And here's, here's liturgy that gets at it. The passing of the peace mm. is mad crazy insane. I used to try to control it, and I don't. <laughs> it's like you say, the peace of God is ours to share with our neighbors. Peace be with you, and also with you. And there might be fire being played by Ohio players. There might be um, something by uh, Beethoven. There might be some Negro spiritual. There might be this is me. Uh, but the music is like thumping. There might be Love in Action by Titus Burgess. And people are loud and hugging each other and grabbing each other and walking around the church and getting to each other. And the pastors are always late getting back to the pulpit because you have to go and try to touch everybody. There's something about I use that as an example. All the music isn't sacred, but all the music is sacred. There's embodiedness. If the music is fire, people are 
You know, because that goes with Pentecost. There's there's motion, there's energy. The little kids are like, peace with you. There's a cacophony of Pentecost every Sunday. I think what I'm getting at is, if we're gonna do a new thing, a bold new thing, we need bold new liturgies, and we need to stop being tight butt, I'm being really nice when I say tight butt, about what our liturgies need to look like, and borrow from the things that move people in the world. Like Brian's letting you have a beer while you listen to talk about God, because Martin Luther did that. Who, what happened, when did we get to be tight in the butt about what is holy music, or what is joyful, or what is good? So we need laughter, we need joy, we need tears, we need good music, and we need to break some rules. Amen, amen. Uh, I would respond to that. Thank you for the excellent question. Uh, A couple of Junes ago, uh, so my church is in Holland, Michigan, which has historically been a a more conservative place, uh, and uh, it was the weekend of Pride, Holland Pride, which has been growing, I'm happy to say, every year. And a few summers ago, uh, my church helped hold the first ever public Sunday Pride worship gathering in our downtown park and we had gay speakers, trans speakers, we had music and there in public, outdoors, in nature, we said God loves you however God has created you and and our liturgy was present and public and affirming Wonderful. and it was a beautiful thing and I think there were people who were like, I've been a long time resident of Holland and I never imagined I could go to Centennial Park and hear this kind of life affirming message and because that's not what I hear at church or I don't go to church because I didn't hear that at church. Great question. Another question. Another question. Anybody else have a have a question on either hijacking Christianity, moving beyond Christianity, uh, living into something just called love? Love. The love movement. The love movement. The revolutionary love movement. All right, come on up. Come on up. Don't be shy. That's all right. You guys, it's a long walk to the mic, so you know, formulate. I have wonderful friends who are very into social justice and social action and you know they've they've got the ethics but then Christian is very negative that's like you've just said the worst thing in the world and so it's how to respond because closer I love the mic. them yeah. oh there's feedback so that's why I'm get closer okay. to the mic so there's there how do I respond to them um, in ways that reach out and don't, you know, get into a stupid argument. Yeah, tell us That's your name correct. and where you're from again. Oh, I'm Lisa Meissner with that guy, and um, we're from the Adirondacks, Saranac Lake. Great. Wonderful. Great. Wow, thank you. So That's they great. hear the word Christian. They're doing good things in the world, in their community. They hear that word Christian, and it's it's triggering for them. Yeah, I think... I just, I'm sorry, I just heard someone's over there playing Prince's Kiss. And I thought that would make a good church song. Okay, I'm coming back. Um, Lisa, I think one of the things that happens when we're in conversation with someone who has like a negative feeling, just to own it, you know, say, you know, yeah, Christian's loaded. You know, that's a starting place. Christian's loaded because it's loaded with all the things you know it's loaded with. Um, But maybe also a counter narrative that um, you know, Christian emancipated, you know, emancipated slaves, or Christian did the suffrage movement, or 
I know an old Christian lady named Bonnie, I mean, I don't know, right? Who's been a Christian all her life, and every Thursday she makes sandwiches and takes them to the park. So that you put inside the narrative some counter narratives um, without arguing with their perception, because you know they're right. Christians load it, right? So that's what I think. I also think we might need to seriously think about do, do we modify that with the Christianity of Jesus? Or do we, you know, do, how do we describe Christian in a way that already it moves us toward a new thing? Yeah. Yeah. The radical, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Lisa, you're entitled to a beverage if you like, so help yourself. Don't get the orange and, one, Lisa. And I, don't. Uh oh, someone just grabbed an orange. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's doing it, it's almost like a sacrificial, yeah. right? He's protecting others. Right. But what I appreciated there, Jackie, You're was so that... Funny. That's good. <laughs> that caught me. I was like, what? Okay, got it, yep. Yeah. He's the sacrifice drinking the orange. Okay. <laughs> exactly. But what I appreciated about what you, how you just responded to Lisa's question was you didn't get defensive. You said, own the, own the negativity and, and, and don't, right. say, don't try to say, say but, you know, do you know all these other great features? No, own that we have screwed up and that we do have this bad history right. and that there have been horrible things done by ourselves and others right. through the history of the church and then also say there's a wider, there's story, a wider story and there there is this radical at the beginning named at Jesus beginning. and we want to get back to his ability to be present with people on the margins to speak truth to power to not accept the status quo to not accept the religious status quo which yeah. is so beautiful and i love that even in jesus and in the, in the scriptures themselves are the tools to deconstruct the things that we've built on top of it i think so religiosity. yeah the religiosity is can be problematic i also think and this is an answer i'm formulating on the spot there's something also about acknowledging and telling stories about people who are doing beautiful things who are not christian yeah. So Jews who are doing amazing things and Muslims who are doing amazing things yes. and people who are agnostic and doing amazing things. Like Christianity doesn't hold all the love. There's love across a spectrum of faith practices. Quakers are pretty loving. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right, we got time for one more question, maybe? Just, just a segue on that, and that was that... Uh, Come a little closer, my love. Perhaps that um, if we look at Christianity and Christians as people who are sinners mm. and have found that they are loved by God, and therefore we can begin to love one another. Yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah. Realizing the, the divine embrace that already embraces us yeah. and how that empowers us to extend that to one right. another. And that that divine speaks more than one language. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just try to leave you that etch that in the space. I mean, I, again, you know, I grew up in a Christian family, and there is, there is no way to the Father but through Christ, His only Son. Gospel song I sang growing up all the time. Yeah. He's the way, the truth, and He's the light. Only Jesus alone. Okay. Except that kind of limits the imagination of God. So I'm just like, I don't, really, I don't really know. Say it. But I don't think God is only going to speak one language when God's intention is for all of humankind to be reconciled. I think God will do that by any means necessary. 
and will speak art and speak nature and speak dance and speak Muslim and speak Jew and speak Buddhist and speak Zoroastrian and Confucianism. Yeah. Because why wouldn't God want us to all find our way to God? Amen. Okay. I love it. That's I good. I didn't have to convince you about that. No, you didn't have to convince me about that. So some, I want to <laughs> get one more thing you said this morning. You said, simplify your faith. Yes. Grow up your God. Thank you for asking that question. Who knows what I mean by grow up your God? All right. We need to be enlightened. Uh, yes, exactly. Like, simplify your faith. Love God, love neighbor, love self. Everything else is commentary. But grow up your God. Sometimes I think our faith thing has been very transactional, Brian. Yeah. If you believe in God, you get what you want. Yeah. If you believe in God, there'll be no more pain. And God is a genie and in your pocket and on your team. And if you take around the pocket-sized God when you feel stressed or crazy, either because you need to take an exam or you want to buy a car or you want the girl to say yes, any of that stuff, you pull out your genie God out of your pocket, you blow on him three times, and you rub his head, and you say, please, Lord, if it be their will. And especially in some traditions, you're saying Lord a lot. And Lord, if you just will be your will, Lord, just thank you. Lord, just give me what I want. A lot of the word just and a lot of the word just, Lord. Lord, just give me what I want. Just Lord, yes. Just yes, Lord, just yes, give uh, me what I want. I, and I have uh, guil- guilty about. and yeah. have witnessed. Just, I just yeah. want to thank you that I can already claim that you've given me what I want when I've rubbed your head. It's almost, like we're, it's almost like we're butting in on God. God, I just need just, a second. Just, God, just, if we could just. But then we add like 10 or 20 justs and it becomes. I want to pass my SATs. <laughs> I want to grow up and get married. I want to be beautiful. I want to have three children. Yeah. I don't want to have pimples. I mean, some of it's really important. Please don't let my mother die. And the first time you pray that prayer and you didn't and your mother did die, you wonder where God is. And you have a crisis of faith. That's right. Because right. she's going to die sometime, and today's the day. So what I mean by grow up your God is stop, get God out your pocket. Yes. God is suffocating in your pocket. Yes. It's linty in there. Um, give God some air. Let God breathe. Let God be a grown-up, independent agent outside of your little will. I love it. And God I love is it. not in your image. And God is not in your image. And and God is always going to be on that which we can name, articulate, even experience. And I so like to think God is a black girl with dreadlocks, but she's not. <laughs> well, hey, hey. I can look one, at her that one way. One of many images in which image she appears. Oh, I love you. But, you know, she might look just like Brian. That would uh, be fun We, we can all pray that other, other <laughs> things are true. Well, I'm so glad to have this time to chat with you, Jackie. This has really been substantive, I think, and, and, and added by good questions from all of you. So thank you, everybody, for, for coming out, and thank you for our listeners for, for tuning in. We'd love you to connect and spread the word about Pup Theology Live on social media. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. We'd love you to rate us on iTunes because that really? helps people find us. Wait, you know? wait, we can do that. Like, you know, give us some stars. Like, that was good. Yeah. 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 And uh, you can watch some of the show occasionally on YouTube or Instagram TV. Little known fact. And if you want to start a conversation group about topics like this in your town, you can visit puptheology.com, find a directory of groups already happening. And if there's not one in your neighborhood, you'll find some resources to start your own. And we'd love you to show your support for the show by becoming a sponsor on Patreon. Yeah!
visit patreon.com slash PC live to get started. Any final word, Jackie, for our crowd? It was such a delight to have you with us today. It was so good to be with you. Your questions were great. The, the, this beer is much better than the orange one. <laughs> um, but also, I want to say, uh, we're here at the Goose, and it is hot. It's it hot. But it's also refreshing to have good minds asking great questions. And Brian, you're good at this. Uh, we have a brand new podcast called Women Talk God. Ooh. With me and Ruby Sales. Oh, my gosh. Women Talk God. Love it. One episode is up. More are coming. So you can find that. All the places Brian knows where podcasts are that I don't fully Find know. it. But you can find that. Women Talk can, God. Women Talk God. And you can find me at Rev Jackie Lewis, uh, where, you know, you might see a, a Curry Brown woman talking about God. Do it. Do it. Follow Jackie. She is up to bringing good in the world, doing good things. And what a delight to have you with us. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.